0: Well, let's dive into God's Word together. Um, if you want to grab your Bible or open your device, we're going to be in James chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be in verses 14 through 26. I think this is like our fifth week in the book of James as we're just kind of going chunk by chunk um, through this book. And today, as we continue this study in James, uh, we're, we come to what is likely the most well-known passage in James and at the same time the most misunderstood passage in James, and that's the passage on faith and works. And in this passage, we're going to learn a lot about faith, and in particular, we're going to learn about false faith, and we're going to learn about genuine faith. Uh, We're going to learn what genuine faith looks like and and what false faith can look like. James is going to reveal that for you. Let me ask you, uh, does authenticity and does genuineness of something, does that matter to you? Probably does, right? But in in some way, in some cases, it it kind of depends, right? Like uh, this year, when there, was a, when there was a baseball season before it got canceled, uh, I had to buy uh, K- Cannon a new baseball glove, right? He had outgrown his little more like T-ball kind of glove. And so and when I was looking at gloves, I didn't really care if it was genuine leather because Cannon's hands are still growing. He's small, right? He's seven years old. And his hands are still growing. So he's only going to use it for a little while, and he's going to need another glove. So the fact that it was imitation leather or something like that, I didn't care, right? Now, on the other hand, if I was to go sell my car today, I want to—I would want, you know, real money. I want real, authentic American dollars, uh, not fake money or Monopoly money, right? That—that would—that would be an instance in, when, in which authenticity would matter. Well, in a similar way, let me say this: when it comes to faith, it is authenticity is critical. It's—it's it's life and death. Uh, The Bible says we are saved. We're saved. We're reconciled to God. We're made right with God. We're rescued from sin, death, and hell through faith in Jesus Christ. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And faith is like the funnel through which God pours his saving grace into our lives. So what if our faith is not real? What if our faith is not authentic? What if our faith is not genuine? It, well, eternity would be hanging in the balance is the point there. And James today will show us what real faith, what genuine, authentic faith looks like and, um, and, and what false faith looks like. So James wants us to understand that saving faith in Jesus leads to a life of good works. Saving faith in Jesus leads to a life of good works. As the old saying goes, we are saved by grace through faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Right, It's never once always accompanied by uh, good works that it produces. And saving faith is a working faith. It's a productive faith. So our big idea today, James makes it very clear. Uh, He makes it very clear in this passage what his big idea is. So we're not going to alter it. Right, He's driven it home, as you're going to see when we read. The big idea is faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Dead. And, and just that phrase kind of reveals to us that there can be a faith that does not have works and there's a faith that, that does have works and there's an authentic faith and there's an inauthentic or a, fa- a false or faux faith. So look with me at James 2, verses 14 through 26. James writes, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead." Wow, so in that passage, James could not make his thesis or his bottom line or his big idea more clear, right? Faith without works is dead. In fact, he calls it dead or useless a total of three times. He makes a point and sums it up again and again with faith without works is dead. Faith without works is useless. Faith without works is dead. He wants you and I to understand. He wants his readers to understand that what real faith in Jesus Christ looks like, That what saving authentic faith looks like. He doesn't want us fooled. He doesn't want us fooled and, into and thinking that we have real faith in Jesus when we don't. Because it is possible, and we have to understand this, it is possible for someone to walk down an aisle, pray a prayer, get baptized, join a church, say they're a Christian, profess faith in Christ, and to not have real faith. To not have genuine faith. To not have saving faith. And, and this is not just something James came up with. Jesus taught this. Jesus taught this in Matthew 7.21. Jesus said, not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So there's Jesus. Not everybody, not everybody who calls me Lord, not everybody who calls me boss, not everybody who claims my name will enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And James, in his passage, is sharing essentially what Jesus is saying in Matthew 7, 21. Jesus characterized those that are genuine as doing the will of God. James characterizes them as doing good works. The point is not that works save. No, not at all. No, the point is that we will see, what we're going to see throughout as we unpack the passage, is that, that works or a changed life, a life of loving God um, and people will be present whenever real faith in Christ is present. It's the byproduct. So when James asks, can that faith save? At the beginning of the passage, The faith that does not have any works produced from it. Can can that faith save? The answer is being implied. The answer is an an implied no. As he unpacks the rest of the passage, he's showing you no. Of course not, because it's dead. And so as Christians, as followers of Christ, we serve a living Savior. So it makes sense that we would have a living faith. A, A dead faith is inconsistent with a living Savior. Jesus is alive. Our faith is supposed to be alive. So faith without works is dead. So this implies there's false faith. This implies there's genuine faith. And, and so what we're going to do here is we're going to kind of walk through this passage. And I want to show you what genuine faith and what false faith looks like. So we've got two clear points uh, this morning. Number one, there is a false faith that is unfruitful. There is a false faith that is unfruitful. And, and James kind of gives us three ways to, to see this false, false faith. Three things that we need to beware of. Uh, Three warning signs, of, if you will, of a false faith. First, we need to beware of words without works. Words without works. In verses 15 and 16, James gives us an illustration that demonstrates the futility of words without action, without works. In this example, you see a brother or sister in need of clothes and food, and the person says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. Now, that sounds nice, right? That sounds like a good, that's a lot better than just hello. I mean, it's a lot better than hi, how you do, and you're actually wishing on them that they would be warmed or be clothed and they would be filled, right, with food. You're wishing good things. You have good intentions. But in this passage, he doesn't actually give them the food, doesn't actually give them the clothes that they need. And James asked, what good is that? What good is your best wishes? What good is your, bless your heart, God bless you, if there's no good deed following it up? Listen, it's easy to sound Christian. It's, it's another thing to behave Christian and to live Christian. It's one thing to express good intention and good intentions. It's another thing to do good works. Notice this person isn't hating on this man in need. He's not hurling insults. He's not being rude. He even says kind things, but there's no action. There's no good works. There's nothing actually being done to help the person. And James uses this illustration to say, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's like saying nice things to someone in need, but not being willing to help them and giving them the things that they need. It's words without action. It's words without works. Listen, it's one thing. To say all the Christian things. To talk Christian talk. And to be a quote unquote nice person. And it's another thing to be made alive by God in Christ Jesus. Christians are not simply nice. They are spiritually, we are spiritually alive. And there's a difference. Beware of words without works. Beware of talking a good game, but not backing it up. Beware, beware of, of, a, of a life um, with all the Christian vocabulary and all the nice things and flowery things you can say without fruitfulness. Beware of words without works. Also, beware of profession without proof. In verse 18, he says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So he gives a scenario here. Someone seems to be making the claim that faith and works are interchangeable. Insinuating that you can just have faith or just have works, and uh, and maybe works aren't your thing. Maybe, maybe works aren't your gift, right? You're more of a faith person than a works person. James makes a clear point. You cannot show faith without works. You have a profession, but there is no proof that your faith is real, is his point. It's like, how, how do we even know that you have faith? It's because you say so? because you say so like there's no there's no evidence there's no fruit of it so false faith here doesn't refuse to profess faith in christ understand that what james is talking about here is not someone who refuses to say jesus is lord they are someone who refuses to live like jesus is lord it it fails to produce the evidence of said faith you see faith in the wrong person faith in the wrong thing it, it fails to save and at the same time, professed faith in the right person, Jesus, that fails to produce an iota of evidence of said faith, fails to produce a changed life, fails to lead to fruitful Christian living, is a false faith that doesn't save. It's not real. It's not genuine. He saying, man, if it's real, the proof will be there. The fingerprints will be there. Beware of a profession with no proof, with no evidence. So that's the second warning of this false faith. And the third thing we need to beware of is beware of doctrine without devotion. In verse 19, he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. See, the belief that God is one is is a central doctrine going all the way back to the Old Testament and the Shema in Deuteronomy. When we talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that, that passage begins with the Lord our God is one. Right, and so we we believe in the Trinity. We believe and teach that that God is triune; that He's one God, eternally existing in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's that's a good belief. Uh, uh, the The fact that God is one is a good belief. The fact that God is a Trinity is a good belief. James makes the point. That's good. You do well. He might even have some sarcasm here, but you do. You do well. Great. But demons believe that too. <laughs> they believe it, and they have the good sense to shudder in fear because. Because, because it's true. But, there's, but, but they're not friends with God. They remain enemies with God. They're still demons. Uh, unlike Abraham who was reconciled to God and as James says called a friend of God, demons remain demons. There's no transformations. Demons have, reconciliation without, don't have, have no reconciliation with God. There's no reconciliation so there's no transformation. They may rightly believe some things that are true, but they remain demons. They remain little devils, demons, evil, wicked. They're not devoted to God. They do not love God. They do not follow God. They do not obey God. There is no devotion to God. You know, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. the Apostle Paul says that if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away and behold, all things have become new. See, when we come to authentic faith in Christ, transformation begins to take place. We become people who love God and who love others. And we don't simply believe the right things, though that is important. There are certain things we must believe. There are certain things we should believe. But we also seek to live in light of those beliefs. We, we don't only believe God exists and believe he's triune or, or believe Jesus is God's son. We don't just believe the facts We become people who love God, people who love Jesus and who long to be devoted to him and to obey him. Listen to what Jesus said about this. Once again, James is just teaching something that Jesus, his brother taught. In John 14, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Over in John, in 1 John 5, 3, John writes, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's like a joyful, if you will, obedience. Listen, the 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 devil could be a church member if it's only about believing some facts right? Do you believe Jesus died on the cross? And the devil would say, yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And the devil would say, yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back again? And the devil would say, yeah, I do. Will you submit to Jesus as your Lord? No. Do you love him? No. Do you obey him? Will you obey him? No. You see, there's a difference, right? And acknowledging some facts, important facts, right? And having a personal faith in Christ. It leads to a surrender of our will to his. See, real Christianity believes explicit things about a specific person, Jesus, right? It, it, it believes that Jesus is God's son, that he died in the pla- our place on the cross, that he rose from the dead, it, it, that we must turn from our sin and put our faith and trust in him. And real Christianity rests in and relies in Jesus and Jesus alone to justify us before God and make us right with God. Real faith in a real Jesus also leads, though, to a deep love for that Jesus. A devotion to him as Lord, and anything less than that is not Christianity. In fact, it's demonic, James is teaching us. It's it's not real faith. So beware of a false faith that may have words, but no works. May have a profession, but no proof. And doctrine, but no devotion. Now, let's look at what genuine faith does look like. So number two, genuine faith leads to a fruitful life. Genuine faith leads to a fruitful life and James is now going to show us how faith without works is useless and the way he's going to do that is by showing us what genuine faith actually looks like And he's going to give us two examples of people who really lived it right you see genuine faith is a is a is a living faith it's lived out by real people in real time it impacts real living it's not just theoretical it has practical implications like it did for Abraham and Rahab his two illustrations See, faith in the wrong thing is useless. Faith in a sinking ship is pointless, right? You can believe cats can fly, but what good will that do you? They can't fly. So you have to have the right object. That's important. And that's Christ alone, as we've said. Faith alone and Christ alone. But if we really do rest in Christ, if it's genuine faith in him, that is going to begin to shape our lives. Christ is going to begin to shape our lives. Just as real faith began to shape Abraham and Rahab's life. It began to have consequences for their life. And our faith is going to lead to consequences in our life, the consequence mainly of of following Christ. So here's how he characterizes real faith. The first way is it's it's evident. It's evident. Both in, in verse 20 he says, do you want to be shown? In verse 23 he says, do you see, right? You see, man, you see, foolish person. James refers to the story of Abraham and Isaac as a way that they can be shown, as a way that we can see because it it's an, it's an, gives real examples because it, is an, it's an, it was an evident thing in their life. The faith of Abraham and the faith of Rahab was an evident thing in their life. Now, in, with Abraham, he's referring to the story of Abraham and Isaac that you may recall from Genesis 22. In that story, God tells Abraham to offer up his only son, the son that the promise is going to come through, Isaac, uh, to offer him up on the altar. Why? Well, it was a test. God was never actually going to go through and, and allow Abraham to sacrifice his son, but he was testing Abraham. And and, and it was was proving Abraham's faith. And Abraham obeyed God, but God stopped him, and God sent a lamb to be sacrificed. And the book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us that Abraham so believed God that he believed that if if he killed Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead so that God would be keeping his promise to Abraham. That's the kind of faith that he had. And, And James uses this example as an example of how Abraham's faith was evident through his actions what he did, see James makes the point here, and this that there's a real story about how you can see this 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 patriarch, this leader of the faith, his faith on display for all to see that he was a man of faith. It it, it was made evident by his good works. Here, his good works was manifested here in his obedience to God's command. See, James refers in this passage, um, and, and underneath of the story of Rahab, both with Abraham and Rahab, he refers to their being justified by their works and not by faith alone. Now, that begins to uh, be misunderstood by some people. This is where the book of uh, James, chapter two, in James chapter 2, this passage, this is why it, it's people, some people have struggled with this. But James is not here using the term like the Apostle Paul does, and that's what generally caused the confusion. See, there are two ways to use the word justified when he talks about Abraham and Rahab being justified by their works. Uh, first, The first way that this word justified can, can, can mean, can mean it can be the word, it can be acquittal, or being declared righteous It's salvation. God, God declares us righteous when we put our faith in Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul spoke of in Romans. The Apostle Paul wanted us, wanted us to understand throughout his writings in Ephesians and Romans that there's nothing we can do. There's no amount of obedience to the law. There's no amount of good things and nice things and being a good person that you can do that can produce, uh, that, can, that can merit salvation. You can only be saved by trusting in Christ. So he wants us to see that. So he says you're, you're declared righteous before God through faith in Jesus. That's how acquittal comes. That, that's how the declaring of righteousness comes. But James is not talking about that. In fact, James is addressing a faith that says, I believe, but that's fruitless. And so James is using it in the way of vindication. That's the second way it can be used. And that means proof of righteousness, right? One's the declaring of righteousness. This is the proof of righteousness, vindication. This is not the making of us being righteous, but rather the manifestation of our righteousness. It is righteousness on display for people to see. Now, some believe it's actually referring in this passage, he's referring to vindication at the judgment when our works reveal that our faith was real. Some believe it's talking about how it reveals it to others now. Very similar definitions, but the point is the revealing, similar views. And the point is we're, we're not saved by grace through faith and works. No, we're saved by grace through faith. And that faith will always lead to good works. And James and the Apostle Paul are teaching the same thing. Uh, Douglas Moo writes of Abraham's faith being credited as righteousness, as, as James talks here about it, quoting from Genesis. He says, Abraham's works, especially his, offspring, his offering of Isaac, reveal the character of his faith. It reveals the character of his faith, a faith that is crediting for righteousness. Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, this is something we've already quoted a few times, but here, let me give you the, the, the fullness of the passage. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. See, Apostle Paul's saying the same thing. He's saying you're saved by grace through faith. But listen, he's saying you're created in Christ, right? You're saved, you're created in Christ for good works. And so after you've placed your faith in Christ, God transforms you. You begin to become a person who who wants to obey God, who wants to love God, who wants to love people. These good works that he says God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So James and Paul would agree. Genuine faith reveals itself in works that give evidence to the validity of the faith. Abraham and Rahab's faith could be seen. It was evident in their lives. So can ours. If it's real. If it's real. See, real faith makes itself evident and makes itself known through good works. I mentioned, I think, last week or week before last that sometimes I like to cook, right, as a way to unwind and all that sort of stuff. And so, But for me that tends to involve either a grill or um, a frying pan. I like to fry stuff. I've been on like this fry uh, kick lately. So whether it's frying chicken or whatever, right? I like chicken wings or something. I I like shrimp, you name it. I I like to batter and fry. Now, there's a consequence to that though. Something that my dear wife does not enjoy and that is the smell that lingers in the air, that it, you have to kind of wave out of the place from all the frying. In, in a similar way, um, if you smoke uh, something, right, you go smoke some ribs or something like that, there is a smell. If I hang around the smoker long enough, it's all over my clothes, right, and, it's, and I kind of like it, right? I could, I could like make, they just sold little candles, right? A uh, little uh, smokehouse candles. Anyway, um, I kind of like the smell, but after a while it kind of gets on your nerves. But every time, right, I go out there and I smoke something, um, like, a, like, a, like some ribs or something, or every time that, that I stand over a frying pan and fry chicken or something, I mean, it's on my clothes, it's, it's in my nostrils, it's that, it's that smell. It's, it just comes with it, right? It's the byproduct of frying something. It's the byproduct of grilling something, smoking something. James is saying, works are just the byproduct of faith it's just a byproduct it's just it's just man it just comes with it i mean it, if you really trust christ this is going to be there it's going to follow you it's going to be it's going to flow out of that faith because you've trusted christ you're going to become a person who longs to do and longs to practice good works who longs to obey god longs to love god and love others so it's evident it will be evident in our life this real faith but it'll also, this real faith is, it's obedient. It's evident and it's obedient, is the second characteristic here. He said, in offering up his son Abraham, Abraham was actually be, being obedient to what God had told him to do. He gives us an example of obedience. Abraham's faith was active along with his works, he says. It was an active faith that manifested itself in obeying God. And here the works of Abraham is obedience to God, yielding himself up to God's will. Abraham's faith led to this willingness, right? He, he believed, therefore he obeyed. Now, how about us? How about you this morning? Does your faith lead you to obey? Does your Jesus as Lord lead to yes, Lord? Sure, we've all disobeyed. We all still sin. We're not talking about perfection here. But it's the deepest desire of your heart and the trajectory of your life obedience to Christ and his will. Real faith produces obedient living. James says Abraham's faith was completed by his works. He's referring there to maturity. To maturity. He's saying genuine, real, mature faith will manifest itself in good works such as obedient living. So it's evident and it's obedient. One of the ways it makes itself evident is through our obedience to God. But it's, also, it's evident, it's obedient. Thirdly, It's compassionate. It's a compassionate faith. He gives us the example of Rahab. So with Abraham, he gives us an example of him relating to God through obedience. With Rahab, he gives us an example of relating to others through loving them. J.A. Motyer writes it this way. What was the work of Abraham? He held nothing back from God. What was the work of Rahab? She reached out and took into her own care those who were needy and helpless, regardless of the cost to herself. When she brought in the spies that he refers to. And just as Abraham stands as an example of obedience to God and full surrender, Rahab is an example of neighbor love. She's in particular of love of other believers. Jesus calls us to this. He commands us of this. The Bible demands it. Saving faith produces it. 1 John three seventeen. Apostle John writes, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And we could quote countless passages from Jesus to, to, to John and 1 John and other places uh, that the apostles and Christ agree, agree with what James is writing here. See, faith lived out will manifest itself in compassion, care, and love towards neighbor. If we say we have faith and we don't love God or love neighbor, what, what good is that? Like, what good is that faith? That's James's point. Real faith in the real Christ will make itself evident through real good works like obedience to God and compassion Toward others, faith without these kinds of works is dead, as a body without a spirit. Just as when the spirit leaves the body, the body is dead. James is—it's lifeless, it's void. James is saying, faith without work—it's dead. It's it's lifeless. It's not—it's not the faith that you proclaim to have. It's not alive. So in Abraham and in Rahab, we really have—we have two examples, and it's interesting that he. Uh, that he um, that he uses these two examples of two very different people, uh, one is a man, one is a woman. That's obvious. One is a patriarch, right? One of the fathers of the faith. One James refers to as a prostitute, right? One, one, uh, and, and, and scholars point this out. You know, it's it's it one 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 um, ha, is 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 the one through whom um, the Jewish nation came, the nation of Israel came. Abraham, I'll make you a father of many nations. One was a foreigner, right? Who was brought into family of God. They couldn't be more different in many ways, but they had something in common, real faith in the real God. So they're brother and sister, part of the same faith family. And we need to understand, I think he, he chooses these examples to remind us that faith is for anyone. You don't have to be raised in church. You don't have to have a certain background. No matter your economic situation, no matter your upbringing, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your past or your present, you can become a person with living faith. Simply turn to Christ. Turn from sin to Christ. See, genuine faith is for those who take hold of Jesus. Who take hold of Jesus. Whether it's an Abraham or a Rahab. Whether it's somebody raised in church or someone who's, who's, who's who was raised in, a, in, a, in, in not believing in God and, 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 or a, of a completely different religion. It's for, it's for those who take hold of Jesus. It's the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, who transforms us into a people who have a faith that produces good works. It is he who the author of Hebrews says is the author and perfect, perfecter of our faith. So let me ask you, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have this living, genuine, real, vibrant faith, this authentic faith, this genuine faith? Or do you have a dead faith? Faith without works is dead. Is it making a difference in how you live your life? Right? Is it making you more obedient to Christ? Making you more compassionate towards others? Are you being transformed by the Holy Spirit? Does your faith bear itself out in how you live your life? If you have a dead faith today, if you have no faith today, I encourage you today to turn to Christ. The, the answer to someone with a dead faith or the answer to someone with no faith is not to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try harder. The answer is to rest in Jesus, to rest deeply in Jesus because our good works will never be good enough to justify us before God. There's not enough good things we can do to erase our sin problem. We are all sinners and even our good things are marred by our sin. We are broken, we are separated from God, and we are deserving of his wrath and deserving of his judgment for our sin because he is a holy, just God. But he sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself. He sent Jesus who lived a sinless life in our place, who died on the cross bearing the punishment we deserve in our place, who three days later rose from the dead in victory over sin, death, and hell so that we can be justified, declared righteous before God. All we have to do, the Bible says, is turn to God, turn away from our sin, turn to God, and believe on Christ, receive Christ, trust Christ, rely on him, believing he died in our place and rose again and we can be saved. Have you done that? Have you have you really rested in Christ, took hold of him by faith? I encourage you to do that today. Call out to him. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I encourage you to do that right there in your home. If you do that, let us know. We want to celebrate with you. Or if you've got questions about that, let us know. We want to dialogue with you. You can email us at info at Northpart.com. Info at northpart Trust Christ today. Believer, you want your faith to be more vibrant? Cling to Jesus, follow Jesus. The answer is not try harder. It's rest more deeply in Jesus. And as we do that, our faith will begin to grow. It'll begin to mature. And and we'll begin to express it in more and more uh, ways of of these good works and good deeds that he talks about. God wants to do amazing things in and through our lives and the lives of others. And he does that as we rest in Christ and as we trust Christ. So let's make sure that we're living the life God's called us to live, resting in Christ, living the life of good works and good deeds that this world needs to see from us, backing up what we say we believe. Let's, not, let's make sure that we, we don't end up with, with words without works, the, 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 we're not out there professing something but not giving proof of something, right? That, let's make sure that, that we are a people who, yeah, we've got our doctrine right, but we're devoted We're devoted to Christ and to his word. Pray with me. Father, we are grateful today for the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners. And our only hope is Jesus. We'll never be good enough. And so, Father, I pray today, if there's anyone today who's never trusted in Christ truly, who's never genuinely turned away from sin to Christ, that today, right now, they'd repent and believe on Christ, that they'd put their faith and trust in him, take hold of him through faith, I pray for every believer today to be built up in our faith, to, to live out our authentic faith with authentic good deeds that, that point people to Jesus. Our world, man, it's, it's torn apart. It's, it's quaking right now as it always is with just, man, the brokenness that is so evident all over the world. The world needs the salt and light. The world needs believers to to represent Christ. So help us to live the lives you've called us to live that point people to our Savior. Let us live out our authentic faith so that we can point people to our authentic Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.